0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, it has been a uh, relatively slow start to 2022 for the IPO market. Some good activity in the first couple of weeks of the year, but then things have slowed down. The big investment banks have brought in significantly less revenue from IPO fees this year as it did at this point in 2021. Obviously, the conditions for such activity were pretty good with low interest rates, a surging economy, and a return to the roadshow. But some of those dynamics have done a bit of a U-turn in the last uh, few months. David Sue, management professor with the Wharton School, joins us with more. David, great to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Likewise. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. So uh, lay out what you have seen and and your thoughts on uh, the impact of all of these factors on the IPO market, especially over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, I think you've laid out some of the broader picture. You've got the geopolitic situation. You've got volatility in the broader stock market. You've got inflation. You've got COVID. But I think um, we also have to be cognizant of reference points. Last year, we had uh, the most number of IPOs for over 20 years. And that is – usual IPO route, but also these specs that you uh, know so well about this year. We are on a slower pace, but again, relative to what happened last year with the introduction of all those complicating factors that you talked about.
0: Yeah. And so is this a pattern that you expect is going to continue for the foreseeable future because of a, a lot of those dynamics at play?
1: Yeah, what's very interesting about these uh, special purpose acquisition um, companies, SPACs, is that they have a fuse that goes off. And if a deal isn't done, then there's very high incentives to either do it or walk away. And what we know is that there are some almost – last year, there of the 1,000 IPOs, maybe about 600 of them were SPACs. Um, this year, there are some pending 575 specs that will be due to expire at the end of, of the year of 2022 and into the first quarter of 2023. And so that gives you some preview as to what the incentives are uh, to undergo those. But I think the other part of the backdrop here is that for companies that are thinking about going public and raising capital, there's this other channel out there. There's the usual private equity, and there's plenty of dry powder out there. And so I've seen ranges of $700 billion to $1.7 trillion, lots of capital out there on the sidelines still. And so as companies decide, well, should they go public or should they raise capital from the private markets? That is also another part of this equation, especially given the volatility. I mean, things have evened out a little bit with the gas mm-hmm. prices, inflation, et cetera, but right. it's still quite choppy in the public markets. That equates to fear of companies. They don't really want to take a gamble in terms of, of how their uh, float is going to go. And so in the face of that, they'd rather you know, probably stay safe and uh, take the private uh, money et cetera, et cetera.
0: Would there have been any expectation of even a slightly tempered 2022 anyway with all of the activity that we saw last year? I mean, at some point, the pace had to slow down a little bit, correct?
1: Yeah, I think that's a right instinct in that you really have a high – I mean, just to put this all into context, after the – in the 2008-2009 environment – There are really, you know, we're talking about 100 IPOs, right? I mean, this is a very high watermark. And so we have to be cognizant that there's only so many companies out there that uh, are looking to raise the capital. And so as we think about, well, last year we're at the high watermark for 20 years, there's going to be a natural ebb and flow associated with a number of companies that are looking to uh, raise money from the public markets. And of course, as you mentioned, this has knock-on effects for fees and other things that are associated with the ecosystem of the securities industry, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like a little bit the the feast and famine type of – it's not exactly a famine, but uh, relative to last year's feast – Definitely, in terms of what the activity that's going on, it does feel like a pullback relative to that environment.
0: And we obviously talk a, a lot about this in the scope of, of what's going on here in the U.S. How much uh, of that surge in the IPO market was also seen in other countries as well? Was it fairly similar, or or was this more of a U.S.-centric uh, push?
1: Yeah, now that's a very interesting um, question. I, I think. You know, there's been some discussion about, you know, oftentimes what activates these markets is a very visible IPO, one that really gets the attention of people, and certainly that's happened in other places around the world. uh, Though, of course, there have also been pullbacks of that. Look at uh, the instances of China, et cetera, but. Here in the United States, here's the name of some companies that are rumored to be thinking about doing an IPO this year. So you have companies like household names like Instacart or Stripe or Discord, Impossible Foods, Patreon, Mobileye, which itself is a very interesting case because that was acquired by Intel. This is the autonomous vehicle company uh, from Israel that was acquired by Intel – uh, for $15 billion a couple of years ago, now rumored to be spinning off of Intel at a price of some $50 billion. So I think what may change the tide a bit is if you have a very well-known company, Instacart, Stripe, one of these companies that makes a strong move, does well in the public markets, that becomes a litmus test in some sense. For the other companies that are a little bit on the fence, hey, does it make sense – are we going to get uh, pummeled in the markets with all the choppy waters there? And so that can strongly move the tide. And we've seen a little bit of that in, in some of the international markets where there's been um, some, some more IPO activity.
0: So then what's the road ahead then, uh, you think, for the IPO market? Or is it still a little bit uh, to be determined uh, until we see some of these, uh, these components play out?
1: Well, the, the other aspect that I failed to mention is that the other route that many of these ventures or companies that are thinking about an IPO, there's in addition to taking private equity, they could also agree to be acquired. And so what's right. very interesting and something that we've seen a lot of is uh, some of the large established companies, the Facebooks, the Amazons, the Googles of the world, that are really uh, sitting on a lot of cash and they're uh, wanting to get into some areas in ways that are not necessarily organic. And so the other thing that can really affect the IPO market is the acquisition market as well. And so something that we know is that um, depending on the preferences of the um, equity holders of the company that are that's thinking about going public or being acquired and the deal terms, this could also shape up to be quite a, an attractive option. Uh, of course, that's a very different um, kind of way of steering the ship. But in terms of achieving liquidity or thinking about uh, really, in some sense, being complementary to the parent company that would acquire, That's that's something that's also in the purview of the... Uh, executive team, thinking about, well, what's the next stage of the enterprise development? Is it the case that we just need financial capital, in which case right. we think about an IPO uh, or private equity? Or do we think more strategically about what direction we could should be going and should we join forces with another company, whether we could kind of unlock further value or steer the ship in a completely different direction? And so, To answer your question, I think that um, there is a number of complicating factors here. I think the biggest one in in people's minds, what's happening with the public market? There's a lot of volatility. There's still a lot of uncertainty, even with COVID, right? And there's new variants. There's uh, a lot of, of, of ambiguity around inflation, interest rates, there's um, you know, the situation of geopolitics, et cetera. So all that will combine and test the patience of the management team, of the shareholders, and thinking about more broadly about the range of options that are available to these companies and how anxious are they to raise the money or to achieve liquidity. All these things will come into play, but as well as very importantly, what's happening in the SPACs because that is – been a such an important force, uh, especially over the last couple of years in the markets in dictating the number of companies that are going public.
0: Well, and, and the fact, David, that there seemingly is going to be, it feels like, that there's going to be more of a focus on the process of SPACs by Washington, D.C., uh, potentially in, in the next year or two as well.
1: No, I think Gary Gensler, the SEC chair, I mean, he's um, made some statements about not only – I mean, there's a number of areas, uh, including cryptocurrency, uh, SPACs. And so there's a a lot of sentiments around, well, what is the new regulatory framework going to look like in these uh, new financial vehicles or technologies? That may, you know, of, of course, the markets don't like the uncertainty. And so there's this complicating factor of what is the regulatory and, you know, financial regulatory landscape actually going to look like. And so we may not want to test the waters too soon, and we'd rather kind of be somewhat conservative in the face of that ambiguity.
0: And, and, David, just to kind of wrap this up, because I think a lot of people have, you know, saw so much of that activity in 2021. Uh, it's kind of been put on the back burner in 2022, uh, at least for the time being. Uh, the The question then becomes the strength of the IPO market just in general that we saw in 2021. Without some of these dynamics at play, did it have enough legs to have the, the, the ability to continue on, even with kind of the temper of, you know, at some point you're going to run out of companies that that need to go this route.
1: That's right. I think one thing that, that we know is true in financial markets is that there's a lot of momentum. And that's true here as well. You have waves of IPOs. You have waves of M&As. And so these things go in. You know, not just level, but you know, there's a peak and then there's a valley. But I think it's important to keep it in the broader perspective that last year was an exceptional year because of the sheer number of spec-driven IPOs, and uh, we do have some momentum from that. But because of the complicating macro factors that have come in, as well as alternatives that we spoke spoke about, I think that's going to temper. What's going on, though, if we look back at the last 20 years, we're still there's still quite a bit of activity already uh, in 2022. All
0: right, David, great to have you back with us. Thank you, sir.
1: Likewise. Thank you so much. Bye bye.
0: You got it. David Sue, management professor at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.